0: So at some point this spring, God started laying forgiveness on my heart, and I figured there would be an opportunity to share it, and I shared it with Paul and Jen one night. And the story, the sermon comes out of R.T. Kendall's Total Forgiveness, and whatever I added to it, I don't remember, it's been a long time since I read the book. But we're going to talk a little about forgiveness this morning, and the necessity of it. I want to bring up a lot of verses in Matthew 6, after the Lord's Prayer, in Mark 11, Jesus talks about the necessity of forgiveness in our lives. And as you experience the Father's forgiveness, it ought to motivates you to forgive others, and probably ourselves is one of the biggest ones we've got to forgive. So... Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. Forty years ago, I had a couple disappoint me. I learned several things through it. They left the church, and I really looked up to them, and I had these expectations of them that I didn't know I had. But they left, and it took me a while to work through forgiveness for them. And we just did a funeral or a memorial service for the guy, and all those feelings came back up in me. And it's like, come on, Brent. And it was just an attack of Satan working in my feelings, trying to get me to bite and run with it. And I just kept telling those feelings every time they came, it's done, it's forgiven. And so one of the biggest lies Satan tells us is after we've forgiven somebody and with those feelings still work in us, that you haven't forgiven. So let's deal with that lie right away. And just because you don't feel it, Forty years afterwards, it doesn't matter. You made the choice. The choice carries the authority, not your feelings. It's that way in all our Christian walk with God. Forgiveness is not condoning or saying what happened is okay. Another lie. If you forgive them, then it's saying it's all right. No. It is not saying it's all right. It is wrong. And that's why you have to forgive them. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and they were putting the nails through him and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus wasn't condoning what they were doing to him, but he was forgiving because forgiveness is about ourselves more than the other person. Forgiveness is, try- is to bring life to our spirit, and so it keeps us free from bitterness, stress, and control. The best gift you can give yourself is to forgive somebody. The used to do a foster adult foster home, and there were people in there who were very bitter people whose children did not come to see him, whose grandchildren did not come to see them, because they were bitter. And they made that choice through life by not forgiving people. So, if when you get old, you want your kids to love you and your grandkids to love you and your great-grandkids to love you and people to come around, forgive now and get all that junk out of you. Forgiveness does not mean you put yourself in position to be abused again. We're going to talk about Joseph this morning. His story is different than our story. Forgiveness is not interfering in, in consequences of their choices. Another, somebody robs you and the cops are going to press charges. You go and plead for them not to press charges because you forgave them. No, they have consequences to pay. Let them pay it. Let them learn. Um, You're in a relationship with somebody where there's abuse. You can forgive them and walk away from that relationship, right? We don't go put ourselves back there unless God would tell you to go back and do it again. You leave it alone. And you live in relationship. I'm telling you this. So when we talk about this stuff, Satan's not whispering in your ear about this and that and the other thing. Most important is forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's just like eating food for the body. It's that simple. Today you will eat. I will eat good today. Okay? I've seen they got yesterday's breakfast in there. Yesterday's breakfast was excellent. In spite of what hope says, it was full of meat and it was good. Okay? And forgiveness is like that every day. Just learn to forgive whatever comes. Do not be easily offended. The less offense you have, the less you got to forgive. The less expectations you put on people that shouldn't be there, the easier time you will have. Okay, the story of Joseph, and we're not going to go through all Joseph's life this morning. We don't have time to do that, so we will quickly run through his lives and talk about his lifestyle of forgiveness that put Joseph where he ended up and didn't close the doors on him. Joseph was one of 11 kids when he was born. The first 10 were to Jacob's wife, Leah, who his father-in-law tricked into marrying, and Joseph wanted Rachel, the younger daughter. But culture-wise, it was good to have Leah married first. So Jacob got Leah. They had 10 kids. Then he finally had a son with Rachel. Jacob had a favorite kid and flaunted it. And the 10 older brothers became very resentful and jealous of Joseph made the code of many colors, all the more reason to be jealous. Later he has another son with Rachel called Benjamin. Then on top of that, Joseph has some dreams that the interpretation of the dreams are all your family is going to bow to you someday. So not only are the brothers now resentful of Joseph about being dad's favorite, but now he's getting really cocky and arrogant, and he's got these dreams that we're all going to bow to him someday and worship him and be his people. And so it all adds up, and one day Jacob gives Joseph food to take to his brothers, and the brothers grab him, and they tear off his coat of many colors. They debated what to do with him. They finally put him in a pit till the slave traders came, and they sold him as a slave to the slave traders. The people who should have protected and loved him most are the people who betrayed him and turned on him. They killed an animal, put blood on the coat, ripped up the coat a little bit, and took it home to dad and said, hey dad, sorry about Joseph, but a wild animal got him, he's gone. So Joseph has to deal with forgiveness on his journey as a slave to be sold to somebody who ends up being Potiphar, who is high in the kingdom of Egypt, leads the army, and he gets in that family and he rises to the top of the household. And Potiphar puts everything into Joseph's control. To the slave boy who's been betrayed by his brothers and he's working through forgiveness and his forgiveness leaves his journey to what God has called him to do open. And then Potiphar's wife decides she wants Joseph. So she tries to get him to have an affair and Joseph runs away and she grabs his coat and accuses him of rape. So... Joseph goes to prison. He's got a lot of time to get in there and get bitter and resentful and ask God why, doesn't he? Maybe even get a little nasty with God. Anybody ever done that? Get a little angry with God? Things aren't working out too well. He's totally innocent and he's been nailed in prison, which is not nice like our prisons were. But in prison, the jailer, the commissioner of the prison recognizes some things in him, and he puts him in charge of a lot of the prison stuff. Once again, Joseph's working through forgiveness, and God opens the door for him to grow those administration skills for him to fulfill destiny, his assignment. A butler and a baker from Pharaoh have dreams. Word gets around. Joseph goes and interprets the dreams. Tells them, especially the butler, when you get to Pharaoh, remember me. Because Joseph wants out. Just like we went out of our winters, our deserts before it's time, he did too. Been there, done that. Learned to shut up. (sighs) The dreams come true. They go back to Pharaoh. One of them's killed. The butler is serving Pharaoh and forgets Joseph in prison. Until one night Pharaoh has some dreams and he brings in his magicians and his wise men and they can't figure out the dream. And the butler says, yeah, there's a guy in prison who interpreted mine and he was right. Let's try him. And Pharaoh says, get him. Joseph interprets the dream, brings the wisdom, how to to handle the dream of seven years of great plenty in the land and then seven years of famine. And Joseph says, let's build the storehouses, wisdom from God, and let's store the grain. So it starts to happen. Seven years of plenty. They're storing stuff. The famine comes. This story is two years into the famine today. The brothers have shown up now two or three times before this story happens. Joseph instantly recognizes them. They have no clue it's Joseph. He's dressed like an Egyptian, he walks like an Egyptian, talks like an Egyptian. So, I think there's a song about that. By the way, I watched Prince of Egypt in the theater. And I broke down crying. Because God's, when they said, let my people go, and God started messing in me. And it's like, I'm in a theater to God. Can't we do this at home in the bedroom? So we come to this story today. Joseph says it's time to confront his brothers. And it's a, the forgiveness that Joseph gave is like the forgiveness that God gives us. And the story makes me really happy. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants, And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him in Pharaoh's house. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer them because they were terrified at his presence. Think if you're a brother, and that brother you messed with, Reuben was the good brother. He kept him alive, and Reuben told him not to do it, so probably Reuben felt better than the other brothers. The thing about these three verses I want to point out is one of the things I have issues with forgiveness in my life. Forgiveness was about Joseph and his brothers. And everyone else was out of the room but Joseph and his brothers. You will notice this morning on our walls, God has not written out all of Brent's sins, all of Tabitha's sins, all of Debbie's sins, for everyone to see. Because it's between God and us. But that's hard, isn't it? Because when somebody hurts me, I need to tell somebody. And our mouths start to talk about things that God wants us to learn to control and only talk to him about. And if it's really big and you need some help with them, there are people in the church that you can run to and talk through and work through stuff. Okay? But forgiveness is between me and you. It's not between me and you and six other people. Which means God is teaching me to keep my mouth shut about stuff and just work through it. A lot of times you have to forgive people. They didn't wrong you. You just had expectations of them that were unrealistic. I come to church and I expect Josie to smile at me and say hi and maybe even talk to me. But she comes in the door and some people gather around her and start talking. And then church starts. And then after church, more people are talking to her. And she never looks at me or even smiles at me, says hi to me, and I go home and I'm all tore up inside. Josie's so mean to me. She ignored me again today, God. And I carry on like this. And Josie didn't do any of that. It's all my expectations. And my expectations get in the way of what God had Josie do that day. The troubles with me, it's not with her. And sometimes we have to learn that lesson as we live life. And I'm going to tell you for the leadership, that gets harder because you see the potential in people but they never get there because of their junk that keeps them from getting there. Or you go minister to them for two or three years and then boom, they're gone like a feather in the air and not a goodbye. Just disappear. And you got to work through those forgiveness things. That's one of the biggest things pastors deal with is if you want to be real, I said at a pastor's meeting one time and they said, what's the hardest part of ministry and they all gave their stuff. And I finally said, for me, it's when you minister to a person for years and then they're just gone. And then they're all like, yeah, me too. And it's like, let's just get real about it. Some stuff's not easy. And leadership especially has to deal with forgiveness and work through it all. Leave Everything between you and that person, and don't mess around. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "Come close to me." and when they had done so, he said, "I'm your brother Joseph, who you, the one you sold into Egypt. Forgiveness is all about restoring relationship with you, yourself, with others and with God. Okay? It's about coming close to another person that there's been a barrier put there, whether it's imagined or whether it's real and it's dealing with it. Some people have to talk to other people to forgive. I just forgive. Okay? And if they have a pattern of that in their life, if the pattern's not real bad, You just forgive it, and you move on. Some people feel the need to go talk to somebody. The one thing we can't do with forgiveness is put ourselves in a position of power over somebody else, and I give you this gift. I'm so generous. I'm such a good person. I'm so far above you that I choose to forgive you, low one, who doesn't know how to live life yet. Okay? That's out of the pit of hell. And if you carry that kind of attitude, you need to deal with yourself and forget that other person for a little bit and just deal with what's going on in your heart. So come close to me. You know, God kept it between me and him, and the whole reason for the forgiveness of God in my life was so that I could become a son that he chose before the foundation of the world that I would do. Amen? that fierce, fearless love that wasn't afraid of my sin, that wasn't afraid of the cost, well, didn't fear the cost enough to walk away from the cross. Come close. Even after you've had a most horrible day, if you're quiet and listen to the Holy Spirit, he's saying, come close. Let's deal with that stuff and get it out of your way. And now do not be distressed. We'll stop right there. Joseph, the one who was betrayed and hurt, is concerned about the ones who hurt him and betrayed him. That's where God is calling us to end up. That his love flows through us and we start to be concerned about the one who did the hurting instead of being mad at them. Do not be distressed. Let the stress of it go. And, of course, first of all, that's got to work in your heart before you can offer it to them. Sometimes forgiveness of God working through us gets really hard to do right? Because we're angry with those who betray us. And now, just as Joseph is saying to his brothers, don't be distressed about it, God is having your heart brought to the place of releasing love to them. And that's exactly what God's forgiveness does to us, doesn't it? I remember the day that God said to me after I sinned again, a sin I had been having trouble with, and he said, Brent, I knew you were going to have trouble with this. That's why Jesus came. If you were perfect and weren't going to have trouble, I would not have had to send Jesus to die. And I go, duh, yeah. It's just not the way I learned Christianity growing up. I had to learn this from him. Because you were supposed to beat yourself up when you sinned, so you wouldn't do it again. It never worked, but at least we felt good about trying to do that. So do not be distressed or do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For the next two years now, there will be a for two years now, there has been a famine in the land. In the next five years, there will be no more plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of the entire house and the ruler of Egypt. I have some theological questions here. I don't know Hebrew. Hebrew. So I don't know how the tenses work in the Hebrew. I do know in James that it says God tempts no one with evil. Okay, that's what I live with. So that's how I interpret this scripture. There are other places in the Old Testament where the Hebrew is not clear, and the people who know Hebrew says it should be written a little differently, and I have an idea that this is one of those Because God did not tempt his brothers to put Joseph in the pit. His brothers made that decision. But God used that decision. God had a thousand ways to send Joseph to Egypt and put him where he was. Amen? He's not limited like we are in ideas and scenarios. But this is what life This is how life happened, and God used it for Joseph's good. It was a hard journey, and God was going to teach him a lot of that stuff anyhow, one way or another, but it happened this way. I love this about Joseph, that as he looks back at his life and where he's at now, he sees God's hand in his journey. It wasn't a journey that any of us would sign up for, right? And yet at the end of it, he looks back and says, yeah, there was God when I was betrayed by my brothers. Oh, there was God when Pharaoh's wife accused me of something I did not do, and I went to prison. And there's God in the prison with me all the time, teaching me, working the integrity in me I needed. Until he sits here today with his brothers in front of him able to do anything to his brothers he wants to do to them. They could be dead in a couple of minutes. Instead, he offers forgiveness. God's got every reason to wipe me out, to vaporize me, to erase me from the human race. Instead, he says, come up here and sit in the throne with me. It's amazing stuff. Amazing. What he's doing is he is trying to lessen their load and give them an opportunity to release some of that stuff they've carried because life hasn't been good for the brothers either. You don't do that to family member and feel good about it. So they're carrying a lot of garbage and forgiveness issues with themselves. And I think probably every one of us know the issue of forgiveness of self. When we don't meet our own expectations that we have set for ourselves. And we got to work through that forgiveness and mercy and grace come slow sometimes to me and I can offer it to other people faster, but I should know better and I should be better than that. And that's just the condemning voice working in my mind the kingdom that's not God's. So he tells his brothers not to be distressed. The lead of the stress goes. He tries to interject God into what they did and how God used that in their lives. That's a tough one for me. To go tell someone else who hurt me how God used that in my life To deal with some issues in my heart, even though it might be true, I don't want to tell him that. And yet, God will flick that old humility switch in me and say, "Okay, Brent, it's time to humble yourself again." Takes that knife in there and turns it a little bit in me, and but kingdom of heaven is about humility. The story's not over. Jacob dies, and this is the story of the brothers after Jacob dies, and then we'll talk about it just a little bit, we'll pray, and we'll go eat. Don't eat until you forgive, okay? When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, and watch this judgment they make. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Why do you think that popped in their minds? Because that's the way they are. And they're projecting the way they are on Joseph. And they know if their brothers would have done to them what they did to Joseph, it's revenge time now. There's no more daddy to be the buffer and you want to please daddy. So now I'm going to take it all off on him and he's going to come after us and wipe us out. And that's a judgment they put on him completely false, but because they were living in that judgment, they judged themselves with. Now they put it on Joseph. So they sent word to Joseph saying, they were quite elaborate in this. Your father left us these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of, the, of God, of the God of your father. When the message came to Joseph, he wept. They had to go and concoct this statement by daddy because they knew Joseph respected his father and loved his father. And they thought they had to get a way out of Joseph's revenge because they didn't understand how Joseph could forgive and the completeness of his forgiveness. And it broke Joseph's heart. Because Joseph loved his brothers, and it broke his heart that they did not trust him. Ooh, we say that was rather dumb, and yet it's what we do with God. Okay, you guys look like you don't understand. It's what I do with God, okay? When I blow it and when I sin and I have to beat myself up and I have to pray more or I have to go to church more or I have to do more good deeds today or whatever it is to pay for my sin. And it's already been paid for. All I have to do is receive it and live in the work on the cross and the resurrection instead of trying to do that religious thing and pay for what I did. And I do the same thing when I do that, that his brothers did. And sometimes God must just sit on the throne and look at me and say, Brent, when are you ever going to just relax and live in my love? And that's not giving me permission to sin again. That's just living in his love and recognizing how deep, how wide, how broad, and how high his love is for me. Because if I didn't love him, my heart wouldn't be broken over the sin, right? And he knows that. But Satan tries to mess all of that stuff up in us. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. We Christians do that to God. We go from living as sons and daughters of God to once again being the slave and earn, 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 earn. Instead of receive, receive, receive. Can I have an amen? Amen. Or like 30 of them, 40 of them? Or am I just the only one that does that? I don't do it as much as I did, okay? There's some growth going on. And it's good to throw yourself down before God because He is the Almighty One, and I am pretty puny by myself. But Joseph said to him, them, and this is what the Father says to us, don't be afraid. Let the fear go. Condemnation breeds shame and shame breeds control or breeds fear and fear breeds control Condemnation breeds shame and shame breeds fear and fear breeds control So if you are a controlling person and you have to live life in control, you're not trusting the Father. Just like Joseph's brothers didn't trust Joseph. Because this is what it comes down to in this story, isn't it? The brothers don't trust Joseph. Because they know what they did. And they know what their hearts are like. And they think Joseph's heart is like their heart's. You need to know the heart of the Father, which is love and adoration for you, the desire to bring you into His sonship, to complete you and mature you, so that you live a life of peace on the inside, a life of joy. It's kingdom. You can tell when you're not in the kingdom because the peace and the joy is gone. The struggle, the striving. But when you're in the kingdom, the rest is there. The peace is there. Even when it comes to forgiving others. It may not be easy, but you can get there through him. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being now being done. The saving of many lives. So then, once again, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. One thing yet with forgiveness. Joseph provided for them. The Father forgives us, we receive it. The Father provides for us. I don't know how all of this works, but there is a place in life where you will forgive someone and God will give you an opportunity to provide for them at some point. And see how real forgiveness is. Won't be fun. It'll tug at your heart. You're going to have to make a choice. I'm going to do this no matter what I feel. But you're going to go and minister to them and show them the Father's love. And then after you do it, you go home and you get with God and you got this big smile on your face. And Daddy's got his big smile on the face. And it's cool. And you've grown. And what Satan did to bring harm to you has turned into growing you up and becoming more like Daddy. Good stuff. Yes, done. A couple things that I see on this. One of the things is that uh, Joseph uh, got rid of his arrogance, and the big thing that took place is the fact that Joseph, by his uh, what he did, what his follow-up, established the nation of Israel. That's a pretty big thing. It is. Amen. So we're going to go to prayer. And just so you know what we're going to do, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and talk to us and give us names that if there's anybody in our lives, we need to forgive. And when he brings a name to you, don't question it. Don't try to figure it out. Do that at home later today. Just forgive, okay? Make a choice. I'm going to forgive that person. They may not deserve it. It's not about them. It's about what God's doing in my life, and I'm going to forgive. It can be parents. It can be people in authority. It can be brothers and sisters like Joseph. You know, I had some forgiveness with my brothers to do. They weren't quite this bad, but they were getting close. No comment over there in that section. They're going to just ride with it. No, they were good brothers. We had a lot of fun. It was mom that had to forgive a lot. And then what really God spoke to my heart as I went through it was that part about us trying to pay for our sins. And God wants to minister that to us this morning. It went a different route than what I thought it was going to go when I first started. So let's pray. Just get comfortable with God. We love you, God. We are so thankful for your love and for your forgiveness that it, the old hymn says it's higher than a mountain sparkling like a fountain. That all-sufficient grace for even me. Yeah, God. We sing about that reckless love this morning. Father, pour that on us this morning. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come in our hearts and, and tell them this. Invite Him into your heart and to give you the names of who you need to forgive this morning. If there's anybody there, there might not be. You might be up to date with your forgiveness, and that's cool. But, Father, come and speak to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, we're so dependent on you. The hidden things, Lord, that the kingdom of darkness has tried to cover over. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to come uncover some of that for us. now Father I know it breaks your heart when we come in as as slaves and we want to pay for our sins that have already been paid for and we're not capable of paying for our sins Holy Spirit teach us To repent and confess our sins properly, but to leave the payment of what Jesus paid for on the cross. And to enter back into that love, that peace, and that joy that you are. And teach us, Father, how to receive that forgiveness and that grace and that mercy you give us quicker and quicker in our lives. And know that Romans 2 says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Father, that your goodness and loving us the way you do brings our heart to the place of wanting to please you more and more in the way you we handle things like forgiveness and anger in our lives. Those people that really hurt us, Lord, that, that it happens faster in our lives, the forgiveness flows faster in our lives to them, Lord, that when we sin and we disappoint ourselves, that that forgiveness flows faster and faster through us. So we invite you to show us areas of our heart that keep wanting to trust in ourselves and what we can do. In other words, our control issues instead of trusting you in what you've done. So we just invite you to come in and speak to our hearts this week. To interrupt our lives if you have to, Father to speak to us because we get too busy and we give you thanks so much for who you are i am constantly amazed at your fathering and how awesome it is we thank you for this weekend lord i thank you for my family in christ that i'm a part of And how they bless me. And it's just fun to sit back and watch the relationships. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the fellowship. And Lord, continue to bind this church together. To handle the outpouring of you that you want to bring to us and to Kalkaska. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.